Welcome back to Pass the Jar. I'm your host, Drake Pittman. And I'm your guest, Shane Murray. <laughs> you are my guest today. That's You're right. across the table. Hey, we're back to where we started today, dog. We are. Jeez. This is, this is grassroots. Back Episode where it all began. 75. 75. The reason I'm making this such a big deal Damn. is because typically podcasts, I've said it a million times before, podcasts don't make it past seven episodes sometimes. So I'm ten and a half times past that. I think it's higher than ten and a half. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Math. Like ten and like well, I was counting by tens. Seventy is ten times seven. Yeah. And then five half is half a ten. Yeah. <laughs> Math. <laughs> Math for me one time. Make just let let it make No, s- you know what? When you explain it like that, I'm on board with it now. Yeah. I'm one hundred percent okay with calling seventy five. Seven and a half times more than seven. Just let it make sense yeah. today. Yeah, just today. No, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it does. Yeah. The le- the less you think about it, the more sense it makes. We're also a hot dog <laughs> and four hard mountain dews deep. Yeah, right we're we're in a great place. <laughs> <laughs> I lathered up for this podcast. Yeah, that's the best way to be. Episode seventy five, and the reason I did decided not to bring a guest in for this one is because milestone episodes for me have seemed to be. Intimate, more intimate, special. Ooh. You know. Oh, we're about to get intimate in here, huh? Oh, okay. I mean, you've already touched my foot. Let me turn these lights down. Hello? Maybe lock the door, too. Hey, Josh Turner played, uh, he played the show we went to in Pigeon Forge for the fireworks. No. Yeah. Dang, did he play, uh, your man, was it your man? Uh, baby turned the lights down low. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he played that. You know what? Google. Go ahead. He played it. How was it? Oh, it was so good. I mean... That was the first time I'd ever seen him live, too. I was actually impressed. He, uh, You think he's forcing that? He has range. You think he's forcing that? He ain't forcing it. He has range. Damn. How do you, how do you get that he much made it, baritone in your voice? He made it look effortless. Damn. Lucky dude. <laughs> Josh Turner. I'm pretty sure it's called your man. Dude, dude look, be your dude, look man. at me. Yeah. Look at, don't, don't come at me <laughs> on song titles. And just, just let everybody know on the shit that Shane and I talk <laughs> in our text messages. So no offense to the great people of Tennessee because they gave us hard mountain dew. Oh boy. <laughs> we went in. <laughs> I was sitting, I was sitting there and I, I'm very observant, especially in big gatherings. Oh, it's all time people watching opportunity. You know, you know the, you know how they say if you see something, say something. I'm that guy. <laughs> well, I think dangerous threat. Well, I think you're taking that in the wrong context, no. though. <laughs> for for dangerous threats and comedic purposes. There you go. <laughs> That's how I take it. So I text Shane and I said, Shane, and he said, What? Because I just sent Shane in all caps. Dot dot dot. <laughs> I said, I do not want to hear shit about. Alabama's family trees being straight up because this place is proof that this is more straight up than Alabama's. I also appreciate that, like, I feel like our brains in that situation work the same way because you're people watching this large gathering and then sending me pictures, and I'm people watching through the pictures. Like, we highlighted one guy, and I'm like, well, hold on. Because if you check the background... <laughs> I, I didn't notice the background until you sent it. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, Shane's even seeing things I don't see. So it's like, I'm just constantly like scanning. And plus, it was 90-something degrees outside. Yeah. I ate some bad wings. Ooh. I was miserable, dude. Mm. 
I've 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 been offered bad wings before. They That's, were crockpot wings. What the? F- yeah. Well, hold on, because I did make some ribs. It well, no, that was an instant pot. It's a little different. That's pressure cooked. Yeah, you're more braising the ribs in there. Yeah, yeah. But you want to talk about some fall off the damn bone? Yeah. Oh boy, it was no. basically like baby bag of ribs stew. <laughs> they weren't great. I was dipping in buffalo, like I was lathering in buffalo oh, yeah. sauce just to be able to put them down. But because I, I had to eat, I hadn't eaten. Undercooked, overcooked. What do you think? Not over, over. Just chewing on a Michelin up there. Moist, huh? moist dryness. Yeah. Well, moist because you were lathering them up in sauce. Yeah. And it tastes like the Moore's Buffalo sauce. Wasn't original. <sighs> Damn. At least make your own. Yeah. That's tough. Which, you know, I mean, I just smoked those three racks of ribs over the fourth. And, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the details of the sauce, but I'm big on, like, I'll pull a couple of different bottles of some name brands yeah, and then I'll get them in the kitchen, and I'm like, "Well, hold on. If I take a little of this, add some of that over there, put one of these spices in here, I'll dip a pinky in there because I'm sophisticated, you know. Get a little pinky dab. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, shit. Hold on. Do you know? For me, I like making my own rubs mm-hmm. for meat, but meat church is just yeah. Now, if I'm gonna rub my meat, I prefer it to be me. <laughs> dry rub but listen the whole lotion thing that's a crock of shit (laughs) you you don't need that that's actually that's overkill so (laughs) we're gonna get off that train i'm strictly dry rub around here i do know you are a meat church guy oh yeah what's the best meat church rub for you that's a tough question i don't know if you can just go best because they all have they all fall into their own categories like what you're putting them on matters yeah so, I mean, they give you a graph on their website. Yeah, which is like very helpful. Don't be too proud to use that graph. Yeah, because you can get you can get that honey barbecue. Yeah, which the, the moment you act like you're better than that, the, yeah, and you why start are you throwing using it meat church. Exactly, make your own. Exactly, you start throwing that shit on just whatever, and you're now you've you've lowered the quality of your food. You've got a great quality rub, but your food's just not going to hit right because you're putting it on the wrong stuff. Exactly. Like Holy Gospel and the yeah. Gospel, that's like their versatile ones. Yeah. But I, then... I feel like the Voodoo. Holy Voodoo. The Holy Voodoo is probably... Like I said, don't just go putting it on any and everything. But I would rather have the Holy Voodoo as their versatile rub versus the Holy Gospel. Yeah. Because I like, I, like, I like spice. So yeah. I, want, I want to take a bite. Oh, this is good. And then, oh, here it is. Mm-hmm. That's what I told Brittany uh, yesterday because I cooked some holy voodoo chicken. I was like, see, it tastes like the seasoning I make. Mm-hmm. But then that jalapeno they put in it, I was like, oh, there's that fish. There it is. Yep. It's like, oh, that's why it's different. Well, that's why it gets you that little like jolt because you've got, especially if you're a half decent cook, so you, you've prepared your meat. <laughs> I mean, there's. You can't not laugh at that. Uh, you just rub it and get yeah, it seasoned. Yeah, you let it rest the proper appropriate amount of time. You're not overcooking it. Your temperatures are right. The mood is set. The mood is set. Yeah. Barbecuing is sensual. Dude, if, if, you, if you just fire up a grill and just go throwing shit on there. It ain't good. No. Any Joe Schmo can put hamburgers and or hot dogs and hockey pucks on a grill, burn the shit out of them and serve them. Yeah. That's not grilling. <laughs> 
Hey, yo, shout out to you, though, because uh, before my last vacation, which is my final vacation of the year before you give me any shit. Well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I had to cook eight pounds of Kaneka sausage. Yeah, eight, pa- eight pounds. That's a lot of Kaneka. That's First off, let me put y'all on something. Can't confirm. Actually, no, I ain't going to put y'all on something. I'm going to keep it my little secret. There where I go. got it from and how cheap I got it. Yeah. I ain't telling nobody. Don't. Because if they raise those prices, I'm going to be hurt. So I take Shane because I said, if I cook this on my grill. And shout out to you for this. Mm-hmm. I said, if I cook this on my grill, I'll be out there for hours on end. So guess who has a black stone and who doesn't? I don't. Shane does. So I text Shane. I said, hey. So what you doing tomorrow? He said, nothing. And I said, I'm going to come up. Can I come over and use your Blackstone? Because I got eight pounds of Kaneka that needs cooking. He said, well, sure. I said, to sweeten the pot to make it worth your time, I'll bring you four pounds of Kaneka that you can have. What a guy. So Shane had four pounds of Kaneka. And and had is the proper tense because I ran through it. (laughs) Oh, I'm pretty sure on vacation for between the eight pounds and nine people that it was supposed to serve, I ate like four. <laughs> well, I cooked it all up on the fourth because you know it been in the freezer, so I was like, I can't just pull two pounds out of it, cook it, and throw it in the fridge. I don't want it to ruin. We had uh we had breakfast in the cabin one morning, and I told Brittany's cousin, I said, let me put you on something. So I opened up a biscuit, sliced the kaneka, yes, then put some mustard on it. I said, try that. try that. Yep, they was on it. Oh yeah, uh. So remember how you were asking me when you came by too, uh, the uh, the propane tank. We were trying to figure out like how long a propane tank would run on it. Figured it out. Eight pounds of Kaneka. <laughs> well, about ten. Because <laughs> yeah. I got about halfway through cooking my stock, and I'm like, you know, I keep a hand over the grill, just gauging temperature, and I'm yeah. like, I know where my hot spot is and where my cool spot is on on my grill. I'm like, my hot spot is not hot. Yeah. So I peek my head down there. I ain't got a flame on. <laughs> but it, I had to yank that tank off, run up to the DG, get a new one, and come back and finish cooking it. <laughs> so it was cook, rest, cook again. Yeah, yeah, that was the move. And just so you people know, I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast is grilled Kaneka at this point. When you know it's done, you're going to get a little crack in the casing. And it's gonna start. Yeah, she's gonna let you know. It's gonna. She'll let you know. <laughs> she'll let you know when she's finished. Yeah. Because Shane and I was like, "Look at all that juice." <laughs> oh, son. Oh no! You know what was even better? You know, I put them in my Yeti mm-hmm. and wrapped them in foil so I could come on. First off, you got to make sure when you're cooking for like a large amount of people, you want everything to be properly temped. So, you know, we probably ex- expedited the process by poking the meat thermometer in. There. Yeah. I don't like eyeballing things when I'm cooking for people that could get group. sick. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm cooking for me, man, it is what it is. I had to wipe out the bottom of my Yeti because of all the Kaneka juice down on oh, the bottom. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Oh, I dipped my finger. Before I wiped it out, I just dipped my finger. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't care who's reached their hands and stuff at this yeah. point. This shit right here is holy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to us for not putting a towel down. Probably would have been a decent move. Yeah. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Hey, I pulled the Kaneka out before I cleaned it up. Though. Hey, that's smart. Yeah. Um, but I had to come in and cut it up and all that. And it, it does take you a minute to cut up eight pounds of Kaneka for all of you. Oh yeah. The, uh, the grease. So 
after y'all left, I had every intention of, you know, letting the grill cool down a little bit, go out and clean it off. Not pork grease, my guy. I completely forgot. Yep. Yeah, well, I just completely forgot about it. Yeah. So it sat for like two days. You could have melted it back down and cooked your other food. And so oh, here's where I'm getting you to. That? Here's where I'm getting to. It sat, like I said, for about two days when it dawned on me. I never cleaned that. So I go out there, take the cover off, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> I'm not touching that. I'm Looks not, like a 13 year old bedroom in yeah, here. Yeah, I'm not touching that. <laughs> so, which is probably why I ran out of propane on the fourth, because I went out there probably with like 15 minutes left on those ribs and turned the grill on just to melt melt all that down and then put the other Kaneka on it. So, but my God, the flavor. So, like you were talking about, she'll let you know when she's done. She <laughs> she starts spraying. <laughs> I think cooking it in the old juice, every bite I took, I mean, just gushes of juice yeah. every single time. And it was phenomenal. Is that why Kaneka might be the best sausage in America? I mean, I don't know who could do it better. Yeah, I tell you, Jimmy Dean ain't. No. <laughs> too too processed. Yeah. Way too Too processed. mainstream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too expensive. Boy. I'd rather keep my dollars here in Alabama. Well, see, I remember when old little Jimmy Dean sausage, uh, the breakfast sausages, sausage and biscuits you could get, you get like the 20 pack for like mm, 12 bucks. Yeah. Shit's like $20 now. Mm-hmm. Inflation. Yeah. Ridiculous. Now, Jimmy Dean or Tennessee Pride sausage biscuits? Okay, so sausage biscuit, you're probably going to hate me on this. Jimmy Dean. I'm going Jimmy Dean. Straight sausage. Tennessee Pride. That Tennessee Pride is more of a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got better, pat- like, just the quality of patties better from Tennessee Pride, I feel yeah, like. A little bitty. You yeah. took a two-pack of them in the morning, you ready to go to school, baby. Yep. That's how That's how I grew up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, the Tennessee Pride. Also, don't I like the packaging better on the Tennessee Pride versus yeah. the Jimmy Dean. Jimmy Dean's just like a somebody just opened up the computer and was like, I wish you to process something quick. Yeah. Tennessee Pride got a little pride in it. In their, uh, yeah, you see what I did there. I did. Had a little pride in their presentation. So, you did get a smoker from your mom. Mm-hmm. Did. How did, the first smoke was on July 4th, wasn't it? Yeah, well, July 3rd into 4th. Yeah. How was well, that? Uh, yeah, it checks out. Oh, it was, it went a lot better than I thought it would. Because, I mean, this was, gen- well, we kind of smoked some food when uh, we were in Guam and done a squadron barbecue, but... Like, we were cooking for, like, 400 people, so we had four or five, I can't remember, just ginormous grills that we had rented through the base, and honestly, this is kind of where I picked up a lot of little tips and tricks on smoking meats and just grilling in general, because I had a lot of dudes from Texas, a lot of dudes from, like, well, mainly Texas, I'm trying to think was Oklahoma involved in this or not. I don't think Oklahoma was. A couple of boys from Missouri. Kansas City. Yep. So so, so some barbecue staples <clears throat> were were represented at this at this cookout that we were throwing. You're from Alabama, we're barbecue staples. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like we had we had a lot of good connections right there getting getting these meats done. Mississippi was involved. Big shout out to Miss Mississippi was doing some things, <laughs> some injection things yeah. that oh my god. Phenomenal. But kind of like a little callback to like like I was saying about my sauce, I picked that up from one of the guys from Texas. 
Like I saw him. I was like, hey, you know, you don't ever want to go up to somebody and be like, what's your what's your recipe? But I was I kind of danced around that a little bit of. I feel like that's what Alabama kind of did. You know, hey, just staying true, <laughs> just staying true. Like, hey, what are you doing over there? Just, I mean, don't tell me, but just let me let me observe and let me kind of make it my own. Yeah. So mm-hmm. once uh once mom told me, hey, you know, I won this smoker. You're like, obviously she's not gonna use it. Yeah. So you want it? Absolutely. I don't want to put a brisket in it next though. Probably three. Camp out. Yeah. Yeah. Do it up. I want, and I'm talking like a two day smoke. Yeah. <clears throat> it takes like 18 hours. Yeah. Well, I'm, I want them low and slow. Yeah. I want all of the smoke in this <clears throat> brisket. But <sighs> from what I was told, the, the ribs I smoked on the floor, uh, Cortland's brother is kind of like a, a ribs connoisseur. Yeah. If he goes somewhere and ribs are on the menu, he, he orders them. Yeah. yeah. And he will put a rack down like <clears throat> nobody's business. And so when I found out that ribs were going to be on the menu for us on the 4th, I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous because <laughs> I knew he was going to be there. I knew Logan was going to be there, and I was like, dude, Logan Logan loves ribs. And if I screw these up, I don't think he's going to hesitate to be like, this is the worst rib I've ever had. Humble brag. Oh. Humble brag. He was tearing them shits up. He was absolutely, I mean, just like standing gnaw- over the bowl, eating them, gnawing down on them. Yeah. We had a lot of other, you know, we had the Kaneka, made some hot dogs <laughs> for the kids. And I mean, we had a, we had way too much food, basically. Yeah. But my dude was absolutely hammered down on those ribs. And I was, I'm just sitting over there like everybody else is sitting at the, real big dad vibes from me, honestly. Everybody's sitting around the table and they're all just conversing and eating and it's just a good time and I'm just standing over here by the food. I've got like a plate that really was serving no purpose because I'm just going bowl to bowl, plate to, or dish to dish, just picking and eating. But just watching that unfold, I'm like, I've done something here today. Yeah. yeah. you proud of yourself on that. Oh, absolutely. I hate I missed it. Dude, me too. Me too. We'll have to do it again. Oh, we will for sure. Put the uh, potatoes and corn, too. Ended up cooking those on the Blackstone. We sliced up potatoes, put them in an aluminum foil. Full packs slap. I love Son. full packs. Uh, Brittany's cousin's husband, He uh, they're from Texas. They made ribs, or he made ribs. They had a maple flavor in them. Tastes like syrup. Yeah. So, so good. I, that was another thing I saw. Uh, just kind of doing my research, trying to prepare for, yeah. for my first smoke. And it's not what I did, but a lot of people were recommending that if you were going to, to smoke the ribs, to buy the uh, the apple uh, wood chips for that kind of, uh, not syrupy, but like maple-ish, maple-ish flavor. flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no sauce was used. They're from Texas. So yeah. No sauce. No, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was... <laughs> Hey, they like the Kineka. I was sauce bossing. They like the Kaneka too. I was like, I can't take all the credit Shane helped. Oh no, no, no. That was all I did was provide a grill and a fan. <clears throat> Jackson hogged the fan. Jackson <laughs> Jackson kinda took over the fan. He went and propped on the <laughs> fan. I was like, I can't feel that. He goes, Well, I can and I'm hot. Well, I mean, it was an incredibly humid day too. And midday. Yeah. I mean, literally like one o'clock. Had you not been catching up on Stranger Things, it'd probably been earlier. True. Very true. Very true. Um, but when Jackson, you know, when y'all got there, Jackson kind of got bored just 
sitting sitting there watching us at the grill. So he made the ultimate mistake, started playing in the yard. Yeah. I feel like once he done that, it was game over for him because he came up like fuck, 10 minutes later maybe. Yeah. And that fan went to high and directly on him. That's how he does here. He'll he'll go outside, shoot basketball or something. He'll come back in like, it's hot. It's too hot. I don't like, like it. Yeah, that's why we're not fishing right now. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're not on the golf course right now. It's too hot. Well, this is – this. I don't know, like, if this is a fact or not, but I feel like this has been the hottest summer. That's what I was about to say. I was like – I was about to say, I don't know if it's been because I started off my summer in, like, a cooler climate. Mm-hmm. Or if it's literally just been that hot. No, it has been that hot. I'm, I'll go out and say it for you. It has been that hot. I'll tell you where it's just as hot, the hills of Tennessee. Really? Really? Dude, we teed off. I think elevation would matter there. No. We were the second group off on the golf course one day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> second group off. Keep that in mind. Yeah. So we're talking 7? Seven, 7-10 seven, our time, 8-10 okay. their time. Okay. They have to let the fog clear out because where uh, we played was right in the mountains. Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. We ran into that issue when we tried going to uh, Macklemore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just said let the fog clear. By the ninth hole, the old Man United towel came off the bag and was just I think it was a strict sweat towel. And I came home, I told Brian, I was like, I'm so dehydrated, but I know, because I, I try to drink a gallon of water a day. I was like, yeah. I know I drink a gallon of water a day. She's like, yeah, we sweated so much. <clears throat> so That's brutal. Yeah, it's just as hot up there. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like I said, I figured elevation would matter there. No. But I guess not, huh? Well, heat rises. So, at what point? No, 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 no. Well, that's, what I, that's what I'm thinking. At what point does the whole heat rises thing, like what? Or if that's just, footage. Is that an indoors thing? Ooh, you might be on to something there. Because outdoors, I've already told you about Colorado. Like when we got past the tree line into the rocks, it dropped 30 degrees. You you very well could be on to something there. I think it's just indoors. That might be an indoors thing. It is. We're yeah. going to, hey, if you know, let us know. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. Ceiling fans. Right, they got two settings. Notice how basements are always colder than upstairs. I mean, that's true. I figured that just had more to do with construction, and nine times out of ten, your basement is underground. Well, see, when Brittany and I lived, before we started buying our houses, we lived in a townhome for the first year we were married. Mm -hmm. Downstairs, you'd be on 71, it'd be freezing. Go upstairs, 71, burning. A little little warm. A little warm? Okay. I can get down with that. I can get down with that. Not unless I get that. I had a window unit. Mm-hmm. Crank that thing on high. Talking about sleeping during the day. I never knew it was daytime. Well, that's that's kind of that's what I was gonna say about our house. Like upstairs where the pool is, uh, the pool table is. Yeah, upstairs where the pool is. That gets hot. Oh boy, I went up there a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't been up there in a while. And that air conditioner wasn't turned on. It hadn't been turned on. I opened the door. Didn't really, you know, feel anything. I made it to that first little level where the stairs turn. Absolute sauna. Yeah. I just went upstairs and I, was, I just turned the air conditioner on because I was like, I don't know if it's going to affect my bill or what, but this room's too hot. <laughs> you have a pool table upstairs and you could be mastering your game. I really could, yeah. I'm I'm slacking. I'm thinking about doing this. Tell me what you think. Think about starting up an alternate TikTok account. So you like, you know, people do the trick shots and like pull off all these cool things. I want to do an account that's just infuriating shots. Where like I've just got a ball lined up, sitting right on the lip of the of the hole, 
and I just butcher the <laughs> shot. Don't even touch the ball. Just comically bad. Just comically bad. I like that. You think, yeah, I think that might play. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I don't know, dude. It's just, I think it's an indoor thing, truly. I mean, yeah, I mean, because I mean, it. no matter where you go, it's always hotter upstairs. But yet, the higher you go outside, colder it gets. That has to do with our atmosphere layers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I was I, that's where I was getting at with the whole elevation. That's thing. why space is so frigid. Well, there's just no air in space. None. Yeah, zero. Yeah, you can't breathe. Got to have indoor special thing. apparatuses. We're just gonna hammer that down. It's an indoor thing where mm-hmm. heat rises. So, well, that gets me back to what I was originally going to say there, like ceiling fans. You know, they got two settings. They can push air, they can pull air. What's the point in pulling air? When it's cold outside. You got to pull the air up. Talk about pulling the hot air in the room up to disperse it across the room? I guess so. That don't make no sense. I know. Now that I say that, <laughs> yeah, I don't it make no sense. sense. <laughs> Why you want the hot air up there? You ain't up well, there. See, like my like I'm, my house is on a slab, so my vent is, my vents are in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. If that fan's going in a room, I can feel the air coming. Well, are your fans pushing or pulling though? I think they're. I think pushing. That's pushing. Yeah, yeah, that was pushing. Yeah. <laughs> so you like, what's so how long it took my dumb ass to figure out which way worked right? Oh, dude, it, it's it's not simple. <laughs> no, like. You look at a ceiling fan and you think, oh, okay, well, somebody just constructed this. Like, this is just how it's supposed to. Them blades are are angled that way for a reason. And it took depending me a on which to way you spin out which them, which way it was. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm I think it's you. an indoor thing. I think we should just come to that verdict. Oh no, I'm 100 percent down with that. Yeah. Now I'm now now I just have a beef with with ceiling fans. <laughs> Shane's gonna be doing scientific experiments on his ceiling. Yeah. Fan. I mean, what what are you doing up there? What's your point? What is what's what's the point of all of us really? I mean, if you just want to get down to brass tacks, great we live question. And we die. Great question. I feel like you can get busy living or you can get busy dying. Yeah, I'm not getting on the simulation topic today. I feel like when you die, you get unplugged, and they're like, "Hey, welcome back." Ooh, welcome back, huh? I like that. What well, if like it's like that. a social, big social experiment where? They're seeing how you live your life and what you do. I mean, I can get down with that, but the thing to me with that question is more why are there so many like vast differences? That's what I'm saying. Like they let us start from the beginning and see how we do things. What if what if that's the case? But wouldn't you want everyone like why is it why is it so broad? Basically, wouldn't you want like your your test subjects to be going through similar things to see how each individual reacts versus? But the similar thing is life. Okay, all right. We each have we all have our. Now here you go. We each all have the way we look, mm-hmm. called, like skin color. We each all have a nationality. Mm-hmm. What if Pangea is still a thing if when they unplug us? They see how we do split up in different regions. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and throw that one out. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and throw Pangea. It was it was a shot in the dark. Yeah. It was yeah. just a shot in the dark. I've I've been fortunate to do some traveling around and I'm gonna go ahead and throw Pangea out. There's there's, there's a lot of water 
separating a lot of continents. Not one big supercontinent. I don't know. I'll, we'll get in that in just a second. But, <clears throat> like, we each, we each, we all look different. Mm-hmm. Uh, different skin colors, different facial structures, blah, blah, blah. But, we all believe something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're all groomed to believe something. There you Whether go. Whether it's nothing, there is no deity, there's deities, etc. So, what if they keep our families together and they keep feeding in. They see how we keep going. They see how our families progress. So what if they unplug us and we see all our family and they're like the age we last saw them at? Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask. Like what what if somebody dies young and you get unplugged Mm -hmm. and then you say your parents died and they're like seventies, they get unplugged. They're seventies. They see you at the age you, Die that. Uh, so that's what I was going to ask. Like, you know, say you're, like you just said, your parents die at 70, you die at 85, 90. Yeah. So, or 25, 30. Well, yeah. So, like, just imagine in that situation, though, your parents died at 70, you get unplugged at 85, 90. But when you reunite, now you're older than your parents. What if our social security numbers are our experiment numbers? <laughs> What well, does every country have? I think so. Really? You have to have some form of being in a database somewhere. Oh, man, that's a good point. Damn. <laughs> I'm be on to something here. I'm telling you. <laughs> but at the same time. I'm checking myself for for some kind of like stamp. <laughs> I just, I, I think like in some form we are in a simulation. But at the same time, I believe in God. And this was the question I wanted. Well, to- I think our simulation at this point has become less um, like deity, God, whatever you believe in, and more social simulation. Yeah, where it's a few upper echelons that are running the simulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, like I said, I believe in God. I mean, we got here somehow. You're entitled to believe whatever you believe in. Yeah. So I want to ask you You can't you can't just flat out deny that I mean something created this. Yeah. No matter what. Like people weren't here and then they were. You can't just say, No, this is just how like things evolved because if that was the case, why is it not evolved further? Exactly. Why why are we just stuck in human form? Why are we not superhumans? Exactly. Because if you I'm not getting that. So, uh, <laughs> just based on the numbers, the whole evolution thing of like, yeah, we were fish and then evolved into monkeys and monkeys evolved. Why haven't humans evolved into something yeah, else? Where, <clears throat> Why do humans die as humans all the time? Because I got news for you. This is not peak organic form. Blood. <laughs> <laughs> Hate it or not, this, this, is, this is, is not is peak, peak male performance right here. This is not peak performance right here. <laughs> Probably because of this. Oh, yeah. So before I get into this question, uh-huh. I want you to do me a favor. Uh-huh. You take a smell of this jar. Okay. This moonshine. Yep. Sugar land shine, Appalachian apple pie. That's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. First off, you're going to take a sip. Okay. Swallow it. Yep. Take that's a breath in. And then breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. I think that's basic, like, human nature. <laughs> A deep breath in. 
Take uh, a drink. Well, you tell me to take smell first. Like you don't smell it. your own instructions. Yeah, smell it first. Clear the palate over here. Yeah. All right, here we go. Smell it. It's not your mama's apple pie. Well, no, I don't like the smell. Just going off smell, like if I walked into a room and this is what it smelled like, I'd be like, mm, I don't want to be in this room. Take so a drink. Now I'm going to drink. Take a good enough swig. That's good. Breathe in. Through your mouth. Through your mouth. Granny Smith apple. Breathe out. Caramel. (laughs) Oh, shit. I told you. Oh, shit. Told you it's goaded. Get that. Get that. (laughs) Get that away from me. I told you it's goaded. That's incredible. Not a scientist? Damn. Don't know how. Like if you just if you just stop breathing and just like let your your taste buds just sit there. That's an apple. That's an apple, one hundred percent of the time. The second you breathe out, it's caramel. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. <laughs> so, I made a TikTok. On my personal account, hey, y'all go follow me. Jonathan Bray. Dafter is 11. Jonathan Bray, hit us up and please explain to us how that's possible. Yeah. John, plus we need some creamsicle to try, bro. Dude, yeah, we do. He's in Utah? I don't know. Where's he at right now? Utah, something like that. He's somewhere in the the Midwest. That's out west. Yeah. Utah and Nevada's west. Yeah. So, anyway... (laughs) So, I made a TikTok. Follow me. That shit was so good, I forgot directions. At Dafters11. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Appalachian culture, which, I mean, we come from it. So mm-hmm. That's our deity. <laughs> Cheerwine is my favorite soda ever. <sighs> I no, can't get on no, board. Listen, right, you mix ahead. this with Cheerwine. That's what my TikTok was. I mixed this in Cheerwine, oh. and it tastes like a candy apple. Well, see, you never sent me your TikTok, and it just hasn't come across my For You page. Now. TikTok's holding me down. It really is. It's like, is. I'll, get a, I'll get a video with like four or 5,000 views, and then I'll get one with 150. Yeah. It's just trying to hold it's the plain, regular man down. They don't want to see a, they don't want to see an average Joe succeed. No. Mm-mm. So, I'm telling you, I'll let you try it for you leave. I'm going to have to now. It tastes like a candy apple. It's called Cheer Shine. <coughs> I mean, that alone already kind of tastes. I mean, you see how much of that I drank without mixing it with anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn, it's so good. It's very good. It's only 50 proof, too. I'm just looking at the... Uh, um, Label? Label. There we go. God dang. So, like, the green apples... Yeah, this is Granny Smith apples is not yeah. red apples like everybody else uses. Yeah. There's and, no and there's a very distinct difference in that taste too. See, like I'm in a and constant. That's what, you, that's what you get on that initial drink is like, like hold, <clears throat> hold it down. That's a that's a crisp, fresh, ripe green apple. Mm-hmm. And then when you breathe out, that's a can that's a caramel apple. See, I'm in a constant battle with myself because I like this one in the summertime. But I like Old Smokey's apple pie in the fall and winter. 
because it's got more of that cinnamon. Yeah, in it. yeah. No, that's a hundred percent right. That's one. Yeah, that literally when you breathe in and breathe out, it tastes like the uh, what's the suckers? It's like it's coated in caramel and the green apple sucker. Pause. Hey. Big Man Footy United talk. news right there, Footy baby. Talk. <laughs> Which I kn- I've known is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like when that when you breathe in and breathe out, it takes me back to eating those suckers that's covered in caramel. Yeah, it's like green apple. The, the green. Oh, I do. What were those called? Caramel apple pops, I guess. I don't know. Mm. We had to look that up. But they that's had, like my favorite been. candy. Yeah, that's one of my favorite candies. I'm part. I'm apples and bananas are my two favorite fruits. So it's like. Throwing strawberry out, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Apples and bananas. Ooh, now I got to think about it. What about grapes? What do you got with grapes? Three. Three? Grapes yeah. three? Grapes okay. three. <sighs> Any kind, purple or green. I don't like the purples that much. It really depends. Like, purples go bad real fast. Yeah. Like, if you get a... If they you turn get a, into raisins real quick. Yeah, you get a you get a bag of purples, you got to hammer those. Greens, greens will hang around for a minute. Hmm. Greens are easier to spot when they do get bad. Yeah, well, that's also true. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll bite into a bad purple real fast and just be an immediate regret. Man, that's really mushy. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. I should have let this set out for another week and I'd add a raisin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, like I'm a I'm a huge fan Sugarlands. Uh, I brought home peach apple pie and the rye apple. Mm-hmm. I always gotta get the rye. You gotta apple. get the rye apple. Mm-hmm. That's the. That's that's goaded, goaded Tennessee moonshine. Yeah. You know what's goaded Alabama moonshine though? Jonathan Bray's cranberry mm-hmm. butterscotch, without a doubt. That that is still to this day some of the best liquid. Mm, that's not the right word to put. <laughs> that is to this day some of the best alcohol that has hit these lips. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Had some liquids. Though. Clean that Boy, one up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know our last cut was uncut, no filter, but that was because it was three hours and twenty minutes, and I didn't feel like re-listening to it a million times. <laughs> I didn't feel like screenshotting the timestamps. Well, all right. Flavor wise, Bray's um, cranberry butterscotch butterscotch is the best liquid. Let me tell you, when they put that out on the shelves, preference wise, I've had a I've had some other liquid that I prefer. When Sugarlands puts his out on shelves, road trip. Oh, without a doubt, I'll buy it all. I'll, I will one hundred percent buy a case. So you know what's cool? Mm-hmm. All right. So I bought three jars of moonshine. At Sugarlands, Brittany's cousin did the tasting with us. He didn't want to buy anything. Like he liked, it. he liked it. Okay, but he just was like, "I hey, know I'm not a big shine guy. Yeah, I'm not gonna take it home with me." Blah blah blah. If he did, it just set up for. So they give you a wristband. You pay five dollars. They give you a wristband for five dollars off the of purchase. That's how they kind of kick Tennessee yeah. law right in the nutsack. Yeah. I like that. So Brittany and I had <clears throat> three wristbands, fifteen dollars off. We're both healthcare workers. Got Get that extra. discount. Got a little extra on it. I paid $45. Hey, shout out UAB Medicine. Stole my wife's t-shirt today. <laughs> <laughs> I paid $45 for three jars Damn. of $25 jar moonshine. That's fucking nice. So when we do take this road trip, I'm just going to Venmo you. <laughs> okay. Just, uh. Try to collect as many wristbands at these tastings you can get. Because you can use as many as you want to. Really? At one point, these people kept walking away and like, yeah, we're done. We're not. 
So Brittany and I were like collecting wristbands. We pay like twenty dollars for like four or five jars of moonshine one time. Holy sh! Is it just like a? See, I'm thinking like you just have a wristband on, and they're like, okay, you get a discount. But if you walk up and you've got ten damn wristbands in your hand, you can use as many as you want. Now, is there any kind of like? I don't condone this, but like, no, you remember they, back in the day when you could slide the wristband off just right on the glue and put it back on yourself? No. It's not. Yeah. No. They'll, they'll take one that somebody ripped off and you just walk up and go, hey, I have a wristband. Yeah. Oh, shit. They, uh, they tell you when you go pay. It's like, you know, if you don't want to buy anything, you can pass it to your neighbor. Oh, okay. It's like, you can use as many as you want to. It's pretty cool. It is. I mean, well, they've already, they've made their money on it. So, oh, moonshine distilleries in Gallenberg, they're way in the black. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. They've already made their money on that wristband. So, somebody giving it to someone else isn't going to hurt their profit margin. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because some people buy it without using wristbands. Look at us. Fucking business savvy over here. Because I could walk in and just get what I always get to bring home. Mm Because, The only place that sells is the ABC store, and they usually only have like two or three flavors mm-hmm. of Sugarlands. I like a Sugarlands better than Old Smoky. Oh, without a doubt. Old Smoky got way too commercialized. Old Smoky don't even like. I mean, not to be like alcoholic hardo, but you could probably drink a a, a jar of Old Smoky's apple pie. And uh, seventy proof kind of slaps though. They upgraded the set from fifty to set or from the forty to seventy. When did that happen? That's what we sap, sipped on like all last fall. Really? Yeah, this is seventy proof. Huh? It went up from fifty to seventy. Well, I'm thinking of the fifty. So I was gonna say you could hammer that and be like, "Well, I got a good." You know, I remember on. when we used to go to the river house, and I brought this, and I drank half of it down, and then poured like half of a liter of uh, cheer wine into it. I don't remember that. I don't remember much of it, but I remember when I did it because I don't. Well, I was about to say. Well, I was going to say. After. Like, yeah, there were some. There were some every time at the River House where pff. I don't remember much about the river. I, I could probably get us there. Question mark. Finishing it off. Relative. I could get us close to where we were. Yeah. Somewhere <laughs> I, in the vicinity. I do remember the one and pretty sure only time I got in the water. Then I definitely should not have been in the water. I remember the time we found fishing rods on a boat and we started fishing and people came out from next door and was like, hey, y'all are using our fishing rods. And we're like, oh, I don't even remember that. My bad. I don't even remember that. The, the biggest memory I have though is when the power went out while we were down there. Don't even remember that. I remember swimming in the river. I remember the beard eye night. And the the beard I night was the power when the power went out. Okay. See, I don't remember the power going out. Was that the night that we were playing baseball on the front porch too? Okay. Gotcha. That was when I was having like a Twitter conversation with a Alabama power employee. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't remember that. The only reason I remember is because it's still in my DMs. So, well, hey, shout out to us. <laughs> you know, we're just out here trying to help the people. Yeah. <laughs> Get me back on. Yeah. Hey, what? Hey, power's out on the river. We need it. So. We talked about July the 4th. We need to rewind a little bit. I was like 25 minutes ahead of you on July the 1st. Okay. Stranger Things, Season 4, Volume 2. Some of, if not the best 
television written to date. Agreed. Yeah. I was sitting there <laughs> at this point at that night is when I was convinced Zeus could be a service dog. Okay. Because anxiety was high. I was borderline panicking. And I had I'm sitting there crisscross applesauce and I had a pillow clutched. He comes inside, we let him inside or whatever during a bathroom break because those are very long episodes. Oh, those are movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are, yeah, we watch movies. <laughs> so I let him in and he gets up on the couch and he starts like nuzzling up to me, like getting as close as he can in my lap and everything. Like I'm sitting there holding the pillow, like just rocking. Yeah. And he does the same thing when Brittany, you can tell Brittany is kind of getting stressed out. I was like, he could be a service dog. I can get down with that. I can see that. Which for sure. I I got Zeus after right after my grandmother died, so it was like he already knew. He kind of fit into that role, anyways. Yeah. So backtracking a little bit, because we kind of we well, I think we hit on it on the last uh, part of my southern. Yeah, go listen to all the episodes of that. We ended that. Yeah, wrap that one up. Uh, about the first part of season four. Yes. Because season or part two hadn't come out yet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. We should have brought the Darius in for this one. Yeah, true. Very true. Um, so skipping ahead to volume two, where were you at expectation wise as far as main character deaths, and where are you at now that we've seen it, and what played out? Were you surprised? Were you upset? Were like, well, was see, it what I was, you expected? The ultimate letdown. Spoiler alert. Just drop a spoiler. If alert. you ain't watched it by now. If you now, ain't watched yeah. it, get out of here. Yeah, if you ain't watched it by now, it's on you. So I told you in Juicy. I said, I think Lucas will die. Mm-hmm. Protecting Max. Yep, I remember that. And then I sent y'all a TikTok where... And he almost did, really. Where, where the leak was like where Gate Matarazzo, who is Dustin... They were talking about the contacts. The contacts. He mm-hmm. said... He was showing him what he shot. He's like, how are the contacts, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, he going to die. I'm right. I'm sitting there all, ooh, yeah, I'm right. And then when it turns into. Like, they played that perfect, though. Vecna. Oh, they leaked that on purpose. That's what I was going to say. I think the Duffer brothers have to be in communication or closely tied to the Russo brothers. Because everything they done as far as. Like that little leak with Dustin and Lucas, uh, the previews for season four, it is Russo Brothers Avengers 101. Yeah, like Lucas was looking up screaming in the trailer. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh yeah, he getting got. Mm-hmm. But And that's never in the show. Like that's Russo Brothers 101. They will show you, they will release a full three minute trailer and one scene in that trailer is actually- might be in the movie. But when uh, when now the part where he was looking up screaming was when Max lifted back up. Yeah, but they played it up like Lucas was about to be levitated. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the contacts thing leaked. Uh, so I was like, oh yeah, he's gonna die. And then when it turned into what it was, which was Vecna pretending to be Lo- Lucas, I was like, oh shit, damn it! I was like, I was wrong. I was wrong, and I hate being wrong, but. I I figured like one or two would die. And when they got wrapped up in the tentacles going upstairs or whatever, mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, one of them, this is... one of them's not making it. You know, you know, everybody hates on Nancy. Nancy's low key badass. Yeah, yeah, Nancy's a Nancy's a certified G. 
Nancy got that gap. Yeah. <laughs> always. Dude, always. Yeah, going back to like season two. And she knew how to work a sawed-off shotgun. She knew what it was for. So She's from Kentucky. So listen, <laughs> I had one complaint with volume two of season four. I am, I don't know if I'm like driving the bus of the Steve Harrington fandom fan club, but I'm I'm sitting pretty damn close to that front seat. They made my man look absolutely ridiculous with his Molotov throw. Oh yeah, he looks so unathletic on that throw. Robin's throw, ten out of ten. Yeah, was phenomenal. Steve's throw, he kind of dude, it was so bad. He like he threw with nothing but elbow. Like it's it like was, teaching a kid to throw a baseball it like for the he was first shot time. putting more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, it was bad. That's but, my biggest complaint with it. Um, but I did. I knew I called Eddie. They do it every season. They introduce you to somebody, and they're like, okay, this could be a good character. Boom, he's dead. But is he? Is he dead? Exactly. Because we know, based on Steve, you can survive being attacked by the Dimbats. Yeah. So. What's going to happen? Which Have you seen the D&D lore yeah. thing where he's like, could be a vampire cast? Because so the they, vampire has a sword, which he had like... like machete knife tied to the stick. He has and the, the shield, shield with, with spikes. spikes. Mm-hmm. So, I, um... And he's too beloved. Well, I, I saw... And again, this is, like I said, they've kind of taken a page from the Russo brothers leak a little bit like oh this should have never happened oh god people know now but also it's controlled to where they said that like everything you see on screen down to the most obscure details is there for a reason and if you watch volume one there's a brief moment I want to say it was when he was meeting with Chrissy in the woods to like originally do the drug deal they kind of like highlight a little bit that he had a bat tattoo. Yeah. So you're like, well, based on what I know about bats and vampires, those two correlate. Yeah. But also I've seen people saying, well, it was just foreshadowing of how his death was going to be because the Demobats were the ones that ultimately swarmed him. So it really just, it's Russo Brothers 101. Like I said, they're giving you a little bit but they also have this backup of like, well, no, actually, he's gone. This is done. We showed you that to do this. Yeah. It's, I don't think he's dead. And, and plus, like, you haven't seen, like, people that played Alexi, uh, Sean Astin, who played Bob. You haven't seen them do the cons with the Stranger Things cast after they died. Well, I think that also has a big thing to do with, I don't know if, there's interviews with the Russo brothers where they were talking about how Eddie's character originally, they wanted to kill him in like episode four of like volume one. Yeah. He was going to die off early, but they kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Kind of like they, they were, they were slowly just, they were liking him more and more as a character. Yeah. And every, like it was kind of growing that chemistry with the rest of the cast. But they were also saying like, you know, we wanted him to be around for season five. I don't think so. Wanted. Obviously, let you know, like, oh, well, he's not going to be there. But at the same time, is that just a... Oh, it's a ploy. Exactly. I hope I hope he's not dead. Just but- think about this. Think about, like, episode six. Like, we're all under the assumption that Eddie's gone because he hasn't been... He's been mentioned as, like, the hero that helped save everybody, da-da-da-da-da. 
but we hadn't seen him. And then, like, we get this big upside-down versus, like, actual Hawkins fight thing building up, and Eddie just comes out of nowhere. They, like, full People Eddie freaking. vampire. Yeah. Got his sword, got his shield. Because, like you were talking about the Dungeon of Dragons lore, he's actually the one that ultimately kills Vecna. Yeah. So Spoiler what if, alert. What if, what if Eddie's the hero and Eleven's not? Very well could be. See, I've got I've I've been working on this theory. Tell me what you think. I think I might have already told you about it. Where Will is the the puppet, which like I said, we going know back, that's gonna happen. Duffer Brothers saying everything on screen has a purpose. You hear the t- clock playing, and everything and all well, every season. Eddie playing master of puppets and Will describing to Mike how he can feel Vecna's pain, like he's hurt but he's not dead and he won't stop. Yeah. I think season five is going to be the the like highlighted by the fact that Will is the puppet of Vecna because Eleven hurt him so bad, which could explain this time jump thing and why the Upside Down hasn't fully immersed Hawkins because Vecna's injured so yeah, bad. He's hiding. Boy, hey, we might be onto something here. Um, and we get this big showdown where Will is being possessed by Vecna fighting Eleven, I think that's why they gave us the little teaser when Eleven went back into Max's subconscious and couldn't find her. This time jump that they've been potentially talking about is where Eleven has figured out how to bring Max back, how to find her in that subconscious, and has to kill, in parentheses, Will, to bring Vecna out so she can destroy him. Mm-hmm. But then she also knows how to save Will because she was able to do it to Max. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Or thank you for um, attending my TED Talk. When in episode eight in Papa, when 11, uh, the helicopter scene, when she lifted... Or like had to control the helicopter. I'm sitting there and I'm like, drop that bitch, the drop only, it, so drop it. And you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. All I could hear during that scene was Lil Wayne when the the vocals of "Pick the World Up and Drop It on Your Head." Yeah, like I don't know why, but watching that, that was literally the because same situation. I'm like, she has control of it. Drop it. Just drop it. Drop it on them. So like, just. I don't know, maybe the way my brain works, that was the only thing I could think of during that moment. I don't, and, you know, I rewatched it all the way up before Volume 2 came out, so I was like, I just need to get my P's and Q's in mm-hmm. order. It's like, you realize how much, when you rewatch it, because I'm one of those people, like, I'll watch a season of TV and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I won't rewatch it. So when I rewatched it, I was like, yo, Eleven is so badass. Well, this is the most powerful she's ever been. Yeah. Like she has, she still doesn't have a full control of like 100% of her power, but we know for a fact now, without a shadow of doubt, this is the most powerful she's been. Yeah. We saw her in season one, still learning to control it, didn't fully understand it. Season two, had a little bit more control, was able to fight better. Three was her kind of fighting that battle of losing it. Yeah. Four was her finding it again, and by God. Yeah. When she was able to put everything together of 
this is where I was as a test subject, basically. And this is where I am now. Yeah. Whole different story there, bud. Which is why 11, or 11, which is why one, go back to season three, two. Damn, was it two or three where Billy told her that they had been building this for her? Was that three? Yeah. Uh, Or one wanted her as like his companion because he knew her power exceeded his. Do you think one is her dad? I didn't. I didn't when that whole thing first leaked. But the more I've thought about it, I can justify it. Yeah. I can see how that would be like where Papa had one and was like, okay, I can build an army of this. But also I can I get conflicted on it too because I'm like, you know, there were kids past 11. Yeah. So why was there this big what have you done after, she, well, really one had killed everybody and then she banished one. But why was there that big buildup of why have you done this if the ultimate goal was to create the superhuman of one and whoever's offspring yeah so like i kind of go back and forth on it there i don't well he didn't kill everybody because he didn't kill eleven sister eight that's what i don't understand why didn't they show that i thought everybody was dead eight wasn't remember her sister in season two yeah, but I'm talking about like season four when they gave us the big reveal of what originally happened. At the yeah, but lab. That, that's what I'm saying. Why Why does that not make sense? Because number eight was still alive because it's Eleven's sister. Well, then, or is that a plot hole? I was gonna say. So, how do you go from eight to eleven? <coughs> if Vecna is supposed to be her dad biologically. Well, no, I mean, it kind of makes sense with the, uh, oh, damn, what was the name of the project? MK Ultra. Yeah, there you go. If Papa's just splurting Vecna's seed and however many test subjects, it kind of plays out. Yeah. Eight is born, recovery time, implant, delivery time. Yeah, okay. I'm with you there. Uh, I think, it, but I don't want to say plot hole because I don't know if the Duffer brothers have one. I think that everybody was thinking that number eight or whatever, I think it was number eight from season two was going to show back up and help 11 beat Vecna. But we all, but did, but so, most so of us knew remember, she wasn't going to get, win. did we ever get full confirmation that they were sisters or were they just sisters in the sense of yeah. Papa is everyone's dad? I think that was it. Because yeah. then one is actually 11's brother. Yeah. Like that kind of thing, you know? I think one's Eleven's father. I mean, like I said, I can get down with it. Me and Seth uh, Cummings, we went... Were you in... You were in that? Yeah. Yeah. We were... Like, we've tied the Stranger Things plotline 100% into Star Wars. Yeah. So, big movie popping off, or big trilogy popping off during the 80s time frame kind of lines up. But I don't I don't foresee that being like the the end all be all of it of where we just basically watched the superhuman version of Star Wars. Yeah. 
it does make sense timeline-wise as far as Vecna being her father as far as like age and uh, when her mom came into the MK Ultra projects. But I, I, I think it's more of a... I think it was more gene manipulation from Papa's end versus just having Vecna doing his thing into a cup over and over and yeah. over and just implanting that in people. Because then how do you ultimately, how does number one Vecna become number one Vecna if it wasn't for Gene? Like obviously the backstory we got on him, he had something in him from the jump. Yeah. And that was them exploiting what that was. Papa exploiting what it was that made him different and trying mm-hmm. to figure it out and how can he manipulate that into more kids. Yeah. In the speech of how he wanted to transcend his humanity because we do the same things over and over and over, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whew. It's like we were saying when we first started the episode, why haven't humans evolved? This was Papa's This was Papa's attempt at evolving humans. Yeah. <clears throat> to our next form, which ultimately, if we're going by Vecna, doesn't look great. So... Last question on Stranger Things. How does it end? For me, like if I'm just tying it up in a nice bow. They said it won't be. They said it won't be a happy ending, but I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like that's a crock of shit. I feel like that's building anticipation and hope for, you know, getting everybody um, psyched up or whatever for season five. For me, it ends one of two ways. It either ends where, because I've, I've jumped head over heels into this Eddie Hero theory, where he comes back, ultimately kills Vecna, and he controls the upside down, separate from Hawkins, and just makes it in, a, in an entire different universe that doesn't, it correlates with where we live, but just, it never tries to interact, basically. Yeah. Or it ends with Eleven making the sacrifice to save Will after she's pulled that little hive mind matter out yeah. of him, destroyed it, and completely erased the upside down. That ultimately ends up killing her. I think I think it's gonna be one of those shows where it ends the way it started, and it's just those four. Yeah, the four boys. That's how I think it's gonna end. Where, where that your second. Where how it ends. So that's that. I don't want to see it in like that. I would rather see it in, like I said, with Eddie the hero controlling the upside down, where Dustin kind of hinted to it when he was talking to his uncle. Like, I wish people would have got to know him and know that he was a hero. Yeah. Like, people will never like fully understand that until now, where the upside down has been exposed to everyone. And the storyline can then become where Eddie, who was originally the villain, who was killing kids in Hawkins and da-da-da-da-da, has the one that came back, killed the ultimate beast, Vecna, and now he becomes Eddie the Banished. Yeah. <clears throat> I like that. But I do think Eleven will sacrifice herself to kill everything. 
close the gates permanently, and then. But at the same time, like I said, we know she's the strongest she's ever been. So this could also be, she can close all the gates. She can destroy the upside down completely and still live. Yeah. The only thing that the only thing that kind of throws a wrench in it is now we know Hopper and Joyce have a relationship, and Hopper is. Eleven's dad. technically Eleven's dad now. So what's that gonna do to him? What's that gonna do to the the relationship between not just Joyce and Hopper, but that's Will, why I, Jonathan, and Eleven too? That's why I feel like they may play on that if they do, kind of early. Because mm-hmm. you had you had to finish that arc out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you know, I think the way Stranger Things ends. Spoiler alert for those of you watching. I think Elle sacrifices herself. Hey, how's it going? What's up, Siri? Anyway, rude. I think L makes the ultimate sacrifice, and the four boys continue living. Mike's sad, blah blah blah. Or I think they pull a swerve, and it's all being a D and D game. Elaborate. Like you know how it started off with them playing Dungeons and Dragons. You think everything's fake? I think it's all just fake. I think it's all a game. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. That's just a theory, but I've kind of partially subscribed to it. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. I bought the one-month trial subscription. I mean, I can see where it ends. Well, no, but just based on, like, well, they'd have to do... Holy shit, what if they did this? What if season one, they've already got the footage for it, where it's just this big game-ending night, and that's where it leaves us at, where we get to the end of season five, everybody freaking dies. Like, I'm talking Will, Dustin, Massacred, Mike, Eleven, Jonathan, Joyce, Hopper, everybody's freaking dead. And then it just kind of like black screen pans out. And then we're back in Mike's freaking basement. And it was just a bad night of Dungeons and Dragons where they lost. They lost. So I'm saying How I Met Your Mother, pre-recorded footage. Because the two kids that played the kids. Mm, If they do that shit. If they do that. But either way, if if they do this right. And I ask this on Pardon My Southern. Yeah. And this will be the last thing on Stranger Things I hit on. If if they do this right, will Stranger Things become one of the best shows of all time and the best show of the streaming era? I think it's already the best show of the streaming era. I agree. I think it's already there. As far as all time, I can go either way on it. Because if they do that, if it all just turns out to be a bad night of D&D, that's still, in the grand scheme of things, a top-tier show. Because for, what, 2024 is when we get season five? Unfortunately. So for six years, seven years? Did it come six out 18 or, or 19? I think it was 19. So no, for, it was 18. So yeah, so for seven years, they kept us reeling. Hanging on to everything. Interviews. Fan theories, this, that, and the third, just to ultimately serve us up. They can't do that. They can't do that. They could. That would be 
hot take coming in. That'd be worse than the way Dexter ended. I don't know. I think I kind of like it. I'd if be they pissed. show like everybody, that, I would be irate. I don't think it'll end that way though. I would be. I mean, like I said, I would appreciate how well it was written, and like I said, the fact that they had us hanging on for this long. But that's a cheap way out. Yeah, I don't think they'll do it, but I'm not out on it. I mean, I can see it. It makes sense. So, going one last question before we jump mm-hmm. into get this big final ultimate D and D battle of the upside down and actual yeah. real world. Yeah, nah, dude. If they do that, I'm gonna be fucking livid. <laughs> before I pass the jar to you earlier, I did have a question because we talked about the simulation and blah blah. I believe in God, blah, and all that. And I've always wanted to ask this question on the podcast because I believe people's versions of heaven are the best parts of their lives. Mm-hmm. And hell is literally reliving your deepest fears, worst parts of your lives. In that scenario, watch your heaven, watch your hell. On the show? No, in real life. Oh, shit. <laughs> For us. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, uh, I don't know. Let me think about it for a minute. All right, so, like, all right, so, that's tough. So, like, you're basically saying, build my heaven, build my hell. Yeah. Two thousand. I mean, really, for me, it kind of like, as much as I complained about it, 14 to 20 was like the highlight for me because that was where I'd done the most growing up, where I had the most success, married, kids. Like, that was... That's been the best part. Now, going forward, obviously, that can change. But yeah. as it sets right now, just becoming who I am as a person, that was my heaven. Yeah. <clears throat> but at the same time, there were some stretches between 2014 and 2020. That was my absolute hell. <laughs> <laughs> so it's tough because it kind of fall like they kind of correlate together of... Like, all right, so I could kind of separate. I could kind of say, like, 14 to 18, which, which, well, no, I mean, that was, like, the honeymoon phase of my marriage, though. Yeah. So it wasn't, like, ah, that's tough. I'd probably go, like, if I had to, if I had to just pick, like, a year where shit was just awful for 365 days, what felt like. It would have probably been 2009. Just that year of 2009. If I had to relive that every single day, like just that that spectrum of emotions, like if you could just compress that year and I had to relive it every day, that would be my hell. Yeah. You want to hear mine? Yeah, go ahead. Because my heaven's pretty awesome. Yeah. My life now. Mm-hmm. Brittany, Jax, Zeus, so on and so forth. 
but I'm in the 90s. Because the 90s were... You're going childhood. You're going carefree. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, I have everything I have now. Because... So you're like saying if you could... Okay. I, I, I understand the question better now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... Yeah, if I could take 95 to... Oh three, and then throw in parts of like twenty eighteen, nineteen, twenty. I mean, hell, up to now, really. Then that would, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, <clears throat> That's because the nineties. For- if I'm living like that carefree mindset of the nineties, but I have the like the family and all that that I have now, and the friends, which really I consider family, then yeah, that's heaven. See, for me, it's just <clears throat> that time period between like 90, I'll say 96 when I became cognate of my life. Mm-hmm. So, like 96 to 02. Yeah. If I could redo those. I can get down with that. Because 03, does... 03 is when I became the new kid in school. That was hell. Yeah. So, it's like that stretch of time when TV slapped, video games slapped, playing outside. Going in the woods, slapped. What does heaven look like to you? Like, close your eyes, uh, paint me a picture. You know, my heaven is my house in Empire, playing with all my friends, doing all the 90s and early 2000s things with my with, with, with what I have now. But as far as my life now, no. Well, I'm, I'm saying like... Give me Brittany Jackson's... I'm Zeus. saying an alternate dimension. We're on a whole other plane here. What does heaven look like? Are you imagining streets of gold? No. Okay. What? So that that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. paint me that picture of Phillipstown Road. That's it. Perfect. The way the way it was when I grew up. Because now it's not perfect. <laughs> no, I mean that's fair. I could I could I could echo those same sentiments. My hell is just reliving a first street in Sipsy and just. Like the way it was when I was growing up versus the way it, well, I mean, shit, really just Sipsy in general. I can't really say I grew up on First Street because I was all over that place. Yeah. <laughs> That's how, I mean, I was all over Empire. Yeah. But my hell would just be reliving just hurtful moments. Yeah. Like through my life just over and over. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like 2000, yeah, like 2009 for me. I mean, not just the entire year. There were some great moments in that year, but overall, there was a lot of bad. And if I had to relive that, brutal. Yeah, brutal. No, I just wanted to ask that question because I got to think about that the other night because I saw like <sighs> strings of TikToks. It was like nostalgia and stuff. I was like, man, I'd kill. To be back in that time. Yeah. But where my life is now, where I'm happy, I got a good relationship, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, just less depressing. Dude, let me ask you this question. Kind of plays on that a little bit. You got a time machine. It's a one-way trip. You can go back from current date in 2022 any point in history as far back as you want 
and you can do one thing. And you have to write out history from that point forward. Where are you going? What are you doing? Ooh. Yeah. You get to make one ultimate change, minimal change, anything you want, and you can you write out the rest of your life, whatever. You know, let's say you it's set in stone, you're gonna die when you're ninety two years old. Yeah. So you've got another sixty some odd years of life ahead of you. What point in history are you going back to? Are you making a change? Are you riding it out as is? Man. Uh, well, see, that's like everybody that's died in my life was not circumstantial. It was health related. So there's no way you can stop that. That's fair. But you kind of could, though. Uh, back to 2000. Well, I was going to say, let's say you go back and the one change you make is that medical. Um, oh, then that's easy. So that's what I'm saying. Like you could go back to the the 50 or the 40s, and instead of the United States investing in military, yeah, they invest in medical research. Oh no, I would go 2000. That's like two. Times you could ago. go back to the 1700s. <laughs> you could go back. No, in my lifetime, I go back to 2002. Okay. And then live my life because that's where things started getting Well, good. now, I do want to preface this. When you go back, you don't go back to Drake in 2002 with the knowledge of Drake. Now? Yeah. Now, you go back as is in that time frame. Oh, shit. At that point, I've had a, I've had a great life. I've had a great life. You know, if it were, if it were to end tomorrow, I had a great life. So, and I've lost... I've experienced loss. I've experienced gain. I wouldn't change much, man. I just go back and relive the nineties and early two thousands. There's no way around it. I mean, if there was, if you gave me one thing you can change, then in 2008 or 2009, 10, I'd tell my grandmother not to go in for that surgery where they, uh, gave her too much anesthesia and she was never the same. Fair, very fair. And I, and I live my life as is because I did some questionable things when I was younger. Yeah. I had problems, but at that point, not, I've, I'm not saying I've had a perfect life, but at the same time, who wants a perfect life? I've had this life where everything I've done has been for rhyme or reason and I couldn't change it, man. You know, I, I wouldn't. I'd go back to 1969. You're back in 1969, and I put JFK in a hard top. <laughs> I want to see how everything plays out after that. I want to see where we look, where we are as a country. Like, you know, if it's predetermined that I'm living to my 90s, so I get another, you know, 50, 60 some odd years of life. So I could I could make it to the 2000s, but I get. JFK for another four years to see where he takes the country, where the Cuban Missile Crisis, like all that lands post him living versus him dying and it fizzling out. Yeah. See where where we are now. That's fair. 
I'll give I'll, I'll I'll give you. That. I want to see how drastically different the country could have evolved under under his administration because that was like the thing he was not like your stereotypical in a he way went, he went against the grain on every subject in a way he was kind of trumpish he went against the grain on every subject yeah he was not he was he was popular amongst the people because it was kind of the side he fell on. He did not Trumpish. Yeah. Well, <laughs> depending he, on who you are. Yeah, he had his selfish ways. Obviously, been very well documented. But as far as political gain, that wasn't his end goal. Yeah. So I want to see how, and I mean that ties into presidencies going forward, like laws that were established afterwards. The whole nine. Yeah. Okay. I can feel that. I'm just saying, you know, as far as personal matters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not changing history, yeah. Give me 99, 98. Yeah, 90, give me 98 to like 03, 04. Let's throw a kink in it too. Let's just say this. Let's say you jump back, like I said, we'll just go to the 60s because if we're giving ourselves an extra 60 years of life, that gives us into the 2000s. So we could have met our parents at some point. They would have never had us, but we could have met them at some point and just gotten to know them as people versus as mom and dad, aunt and uncle, brother, sister, cousin. And what if you wake up and you have a different perception of your parents? Well, that's just it. Like when you go back, you're just, you're, you're there. Like you, like, yeah, you, you see what I'm saying? I saw a TikTok the other day. It said, uh, "It said uh, your parents watched you grow up, but you also watched them grow up." Oh, that's a fact. Like in hindsight, when you think about it, especially for me now, like raising kids. Good. My dad, my mom, and dad had me when they were twenty four and twenty three. Yeah. When I, that's ten years ago for me. When I was twenty three and twenty four. Exactly. I wasn't ready for no kid. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And like, but when you think about your childhood, you think about your parents as being like the all knowing, everything they said was I did exactly not. how it's supposed to be as is. Like that was the gospel. Yeah. But now that we know we're older and I'm going through it myself, we are winging this shit. Yeah. Like this is. We are figuring it out as we go. You're taking the knowledge that you had of like how you were raised and what to do in certain situations, but 95% of the time it is survive in advance. If I, if I, I'll fast forward to like 10, uh, 12, 13 when I developed anxiety and depression and everything, I can't imagine 20, we'll say 28, 29 year old me. Walking into my mom, well, even now, we'll say 32, 33, walking into my mom and dad's room and be like, I don't feel right in the head. Uh, I'm stressed out for no reason, and I honestly don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody walked into a room with me at this age, being at that age, and said that, I'd be like, uh, what? I'd do exactly what my parents did, throw me in fucking therapy. Yeah. <laughs> But no, yeah. No, man. 
you know, it's, I, every day I say, if today's my last day, I've lived a good life. No, I'm with you 100% there. I've kind of gotten into this mindset of I used to be really bad about overthinking everything, overstressing situations, uh, like borderline OCD, probably actual OCD. I'm just too stubborn to go to the doctor and like <laughs> really get diagnosed, and like Cortland will attest to that. Mine's but, documented, diagnosed. Got it. <laughs> this water bottle is really crooked, and I'm thinking about why that water bottle is crooked for three months ahead of time. <laughs> so, like, that that was me. But I've kind of, I mean, it really realistically took me, like, probably two years, two full years of just training my brain more than anything else. Of like, when I tell myself something, I believe it. So... Now I've gotten into this mindset of like if if today's my last day, I'm I'm comfortable and I'm okay with the life I've lived to this point. I know I've made I know I've made negative impacts on people, but I know I've made positive impacts on a lot of people too. You made some negative impacts on Mason. Yeah. So <laughs> he hates you. <laughs> guaranteed though. Guaranteed if like if today's my last day and my funeral is next week. Mason would be like, you know what? I gave that guy a lot of shit, but I genuinely kind of liked him. Yeah. Like I feel like I've I feel like I've lived my life to that point where if it just abruptly came to an end, I've made a good enough impact on the people around me that I would I'm okay with it. Like I'm yeah. I'm good with where I'm at and I, now I don't overthink and overstress and try to critically analyze every single little detail about my life. Yeah. I try not to. I've really fallen into that go with the flow mindset. You know how people say like your life life flashes before your eyes when you when you die. Yeah. You know, as my best friend, I would say you're in like twenty five percent of my life. Oh, without a doubt. If it ended tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, if it ended tomorrow. Yeah, if if I'm getting a highlight reel like that at the at the end of my life without it probably more than 25 percent i mean you gotta think too the other day we literally it was in our time hops 10 years ago Mm -hmm. 10 years ago was our first bros trip to atlanta Mm -hmm. 10 years out of 33 that's a lot yeah that is a significant amount of time and there for about four or five years it was every single day yeah well, see, like me and Cortland were having this conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I had been kind of entertaining the thought about doing the guard thing. And, uh, yeah, we were talking about it, and she was kind of bringing up, like, you know, you were always talking about, like, how mad you were, how, like, pissed off you were going to work. And there were, there were several of those days where, like, I did not want to go. But yeah. I had to. But uh, that was more so just the leadership kind of aspect of it and getting bad guidance from a lot of different places. But we were talking about uh, kind of like the camaraderie that you build with like people from just random aspects of life. And that's kind of how I was explaining it to her. I was like, you know, like think about me, Drake, Dylan, and Colby, like our core four group. We've been together like non-stop whether in text phone calls in person whatever 
for over 10 years now. I had a similar bond with a lot of those dudes from my military time because for six years straight, every single day, I was with them. Like, were we going through some absolute shit at points? Yeah. But we were going through it together. Right. And like that that kind of bond that you build through that is very easy to miss. Yeah. So that was kind of where my, like, oh, man, I kind of miss it. You know, mindset was coming in. Wasn't so much just missing being in the military. It was like, damn, I really missed the bond I had with these dudes. And I know now, like, if I jumped into the guard thing, for instance, you don't instantly get that back. You're starting that over. Exactly. You're building new bonds with new people. Right. And that's why when we all four started being friends and stuff, and I wish them two were in here, Colby and Dylan were in here, but that's when I realized, like, you know what? The hanging out at Walmart, parking lot days, trying to be the cool one there, high school, high school. It was like, it, well, I mean, just think about this, too. When we first started, damn. Yeah, recall. That table's got some echo to it. When we first started hanging out, did you think that, like, this would be, like, think about the first time me and you hung out. Did you think we would be where we are right now together? Like, what we're doing? No. Not at all. But I knew at the same time, like, Coley James was my best friend up to that point. Yeah. So, I was like, I knew no There was a connection there. Yeah. It might come and go kind of in waves. Yeah. Like, if I'm around Colby, I'll probably be around him. Yeah. One of those situations. I can see that. But yeah. then, when we went to Atlanta, though, celebrating 10 years of that trip, by the way, which was a bomb-ass trip. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard that, go all the way back and listen to Past the Best Friends. <laughs> uh, when we took that Atlanta trip, though, that's when I knew. I was like, this is my circle. That was when we kind of submitted. For the rest of my life. You know, we talk whether it's in our big nine plus people group or if it's just, just us a, four. Just the core four, yeah. If I like from that day on though, I knew I was like, this is it for me. Like, Absolutely. This is all I need. Like, have I made good friends since? Absolutely. But are they people that I know uh just like with everything going on with dad, I'll hit on that later. If I text these people, I'm like, hey, you know, this, this and this is happening. Will they be there? I don't, I'd, I'd question it. But mm-hmm. with you four, or it's, three, you've three. Yeah. <laughs> not me included. Uh, You'd be there for yourself. Yeah. Y'all would be there. So <laughs> it's like, you know, that's, to me, getting older is part of realizing it's cool to have a smaller circle, man. It's like, I don't, am I, I can say I have the three best friends anybody could have. Take yeah. back to the hangover. Yeah. You know, we're the four best friends. Because we don't see each other every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we get together, it's like we just no time we don't has miss a beat. No time has passed. Because we still know what's going on in each other's lives. Exactly. Like we're all still staying, Um, what's the word? Not together. In, but t- in touch. Yeah, well, there's not, that's a different, different word I was looking for. But anyways. Consistent? Yeah, consistent, you know. Like, we're consistent with where we are, what we're doing, what's going on in each other's life, that when we are physically hanging out, we don't miss that time at yeah. all. Like, the last time we went for uh Blank Shane. Kenny. Yeah. Like, the last time 
uh, me, you, and Colby got together when we went to Tallulah for Kenny, uh, for the Divines, sorry, uh, when they were playing at Tallulah. Such a good show. A great Shout show. Shout out to our boy Phenomenal. Kenny. That was like the first time I'd seen Colby in a long time. I See, couldn't put an exact stamp it, on it. Walked up, sat down. Zero time at all had passed. No tears were shed. Yeah. No, oh, I missed you, man. Blah. Because we, we talk all the time. Right, yeah, exactly. We picked right up. Uh, See, so like, and I'd seen Colby a few weeks beforehand. So mm-hmm. it was like, we pretty much picked right back up. Exactly. You know, we constantly check in with each other, even in just individual texts. Mm-hmm. Like, Colby and I still talk almost every day. What's it's usually about FIFA or soccer. That's that's me and Dylan, but it's the Braves. <laughs> but see, Dylan Dylan will sporadically text me, check in on Dad, you know, ask yeah. how things are going, and I do the same thing. You know, we care about each other, and that's the biggest thing. Is like when I was in high school, and I asked myself, "Am I going to be talking to these people in ten years?" I was like, "Much less am I going to care." Us four, we've been through marriages, or we'll we'll go back broken relationships, marriages. For some of his kids. Mm-hmm. And growing up, man, it's just, you get older and you realize things. And I think that going back to the, what we originally started this on was, you realize you don't realize how much your parents are actually growing up when you're a kid. Exactly. Just like Beckham and Avery, they're going to, like, they're going to watch you grow up with, grow old with us. Yeah, like right now, in their eyes, I have everything figured out. When I like, whatever. do you though? Not at all. <laughs> Zero. Not even a half of a per, of a percent do That's I have anything figured out. But in their in that in that childlike mindset, they think dad's got it, mom's got it. Every, you know, yeah. any adult has it figured out. That's like Jackson asked me a question, not regarding FIFA, video games, etc. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It ain't happened mm-hmm. yet. So I can imagine how annoying I was to my parents because that came with everything I was like going through. I was just like, what's going to happen here, here and blah, blah. Now it's just, it's like I said, man, to well, just, go ahead. Uh, was it yesterday? It's been within this week. Uh, Avery was using the bathroom, ran out of toilet paper. So I bring toilet paper in there to her. She gets done. Gets up, goes over to wash her hands, and she just turns around and looks at him and goes, Daddy, why do we have to live here? <laughs> what? What? Earth or this house? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Like, I'm like, what do you mean? Don't worry, they'll unplug you in about 60 years. Yeah. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, why do we have to go to school, and why do we have to live here? That's a heavy question. Yeah. I'm just, so I was literally... And in her mind, it made perfect sense. Like, give daddy, okay, give daddy, daddy three hours out on the back porch with a cooler, and I'll come back. Yeah. Well, in her mind, you know, I just spitballed. Like I said, we're winging it through this, so that's what I did. I just kind of winged it through it. But in her eyes, in her mind, it made perfect sense. I was like, well, baby, this is this is the house that mommy and daddy bought, so this is where we live, and we go to school so you can learn and you can grow. And she just. Okay. Dries her hands off, goes yeah. back to watching, you know, the Aladdin or whatever it was on TV. Yeah. But I'm still sitting there like, why do we have to live here? Yeah. What? Why did you, why, why, why did I have to go to school? 
<laughs> yeah. Why did we have to go to school? Yeah. Like she asked a very profound question and I winged it. And in her mind, it made perfect sense. Now I'm sitting here like, hold on a minute. <laughs> did I have to go to school to be able to wing this moment? I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know, man. You just. I'd say we had to live here because this was the only house on the market that mom fell in love with. <laughs> that was this close to Drake. Yeah. Also, that did not hurt the equation at all. We ruled, well, I take that back. I won't say that's the only house she fell in love with. We did find one other that was a little closer towards Cordova that I liked, Cortland really liked, but we started kind of doing the math on it of like, okay, well, I'm going to have to drive from here to work. You're going to have to drive from here to, you know, your work and what's it going to do for my mom and your mom babysitting wise, getting the kids to school and back. And we ultimately decided that that just wasn't the one. So like we have to live here because it made the most sense geographically put her, put the kids in a better, um, schooling district. Like things that I never thought that I would be thinking when trying to find a house to live in. Now it's like the first things that come to mind when I'm looking for a house or where I'm going to live. And yeah, how you know what's what's the correlation to where I work? What what school district is is it in for my kids? Is you know where, how close am I to necessary amenities, grocery store, gas stations, all that? As a as a twenty one twenty two year old would have never crossed my mind. Yeah, <clears throat> goes back to just winging it through life. That's what happens when you get older, man. Just, I don't know. Like, like I mean, even the first house we bought in Louisiana, we had no kids. Mm. Almost had a kid. We were pregnant, and then we had a kid just before we bought the house. But we weren't thinking about schooling because it's a newborn. Wasn't going to school yet. Four years away from now. Yeah, exactly. We bought that house because... Four of my best friends lived in the neighborhood. <laughs> and it was also 15 minutes closer to to work for Cortland. So, like, where it was, it just made sense. Boom, bought it. That was it. Didn't think about anything else outside of that. I have friends that live in the neighborhood. I, it also happens that we're closer to where you work. Boom, done deal. That was it. There was no other thinking outside of it. Yeah. Now I'm thinking like, all right, well, if we buy this house in Cordova, now I've got to drive 20 minutes to get food, groceries. If we want fast food one night or whatever, I've got to drive 30 minutes. What school are the kids going to be going to? Don't want them going to Cordova. <laughs> we carry them across that river. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just all that. I'm like, don't want to do this. As painstakingly as it, I would pick Walker. I'm not going to call it Jasper. Jasper. I'm not going to call it Jasper High School. It's They're Walker. a Viking either way. It's Walker. Yeah. I'd rather them go there versus Cordova. Yeah. So. I always said. Old habits die hard. Too much door in us. That's, it's fact. But. <clears throat> like, yeah, our parents literally just winged it, dude. And Without shout out doubt. to them. And I guarantee, especially now, here's what I want. Here, Here's my. 
here's my challenge for this episode, if you will. If you're listening and your parents are still in your life actively, go visit them, sit down with your mom and dad, and ask them how many times during your upbringing were they just winging it, yeah. just trying to get by. And get it, get it, get an honest answer from. Don't don't say it in a joking tone. Just genuinely ask them. Hey, I know when I was eight, nine, ten, I was probably absolute hell on you. How many times were you just trying to survive to the next day? And I guarantee you, you a lot of people, if you haven't thought about it, would be surprised by the answer. It's a good question. So y'all go do that. With that said, we're going to kind of round this sucker out. So, episode 75, Shane. Big big episode. Big season. Like I, like I said in our uh, review for JJ's Cafe. Five seasons. The fifth season has been our best numbers-wise. I don't ever feel like there's been a dip in quality. I feel like there's constantly been a rise mm-hmm. in quality. And I said there was huge news for this episode, for episode 75 of Pass the Jar. What is that news? I always have said I would rather go out as a success than a failure. I think most would agree. Some some people wait too long to call it quits, mm-hmm. to end it. Things get stale, people stop watching, listening, caring, etc. I don't want to be that person. I'd rather go out while everybody cares. Well, a lot of people care. I won't say everybody. (laughs) But earlier on in season five, Shane and I have decided this, uh, this will be our last episode of Pass the Jar. This is real life. And I didn't think it was going to be real life. We said, uh, before, we, before we recorded season five, before we hit record on the first episode of season five, we did decide that this would be our last season of Pass the Jar. And uh, I told Shane, I said, I got a feeling about this season. I feel like it'll be our best quality and quantity wise. And I was right. Uh, download numbers are as high as I ever imagined them to be. And more of you have cared about this show than I ever thought would. So I'm going to get back to my roots for just a moment with Shane. Uh, Shane was a season two or one guest. Was it season one or two? I think it was one. Yeah, because you jumped on season two and a half. Yep. So season two, Shane uh was Shane back, was I was back home on leave. Shane was about to uh come home and I said, Hey, I need a co host. If you want to come on, that's cool. If not, I understand. I'll keep carrying this ship as long as I can. <laughs> And we put out uh, several episodes, just us two. And that's why it felt only appropriate 
to have just us two on the very last episode of Pass the Jar. And when I asked Shane to come on, it was just simple. Hell yeah. <laughs> so we got we got paperwork up because we are a brand. That well, dude, I, a lot of people don't understand that Pass the Jar is a brand. I mean, just knowing you, I know your passion for things. So I knew if you had an idea for something, you, like you talked about earlier, you're a future planner. You're looking two, three years ahead. So when 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 you asked me, I knew you already had a vision of where you wanted it to go. So for me, it was an easy decision of, hell yeah, dude, I would love to ride this train with you. And I was happy. I was like, all right, I've got several more seasons in my books then. Because I mean, it's kind of like I talked about several times over the course of the last three and a half seasons. Being away from home, it's it's nice to 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 get out and explore something different, get new life experiences. And where I was, being from Alabama, it's easy to be the target of a lot of jokes. And you've got one of two ways to carry it. You can either embrace it like I did, or you can just kind of shun it and forget where you're from and try to build a whole new you wherever you are. That was never what I wanted to do. Early on, it was easy to, to kind of field those jokes and just... Meh, Roll it off my back. Once I learned to embrace it, that was when it took on a whole new special meaning to me. Yeah. Of <clears throat> being where we're from, carrying it with pride, and defending it in, in certain circumstances. And then hearing you building this up, highlighting where we're from, giving the people that have left and came back to to build where we're from a voice for everyone to listen to. I knew it was going to be something special. I knew it was going to be something special. And I knew when you asked me to come on to join it, it was a golden opportunity that I couldn't pass up. Yeah. Thank, <clears throat> you. Thank you. I knew it. It had been advised to me to uh, to get a co-host, and when I knew you were coming home. When I knew you were coming home, I was like, that's, that's my only option. And I could have went with anybody. And somebody I knew, trusted, and knew would bring a different dumbass <laughs> dynamic to this podcast. Because without you, like, you know, people have complimented me and it was like your interview skills have grown and stuff, but dude, truly, I'm, I'm let me let me touch on that for a minute. No, dude. let me let me let me. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Stroke your ego. <laughs> I said, uh, 
That's what I was trying to cut off. I said, uh, honestly, I wouldn't have understood the dynamics to an interview better without Shane being here because he's all over the place and I knew I, knew I needed to keep it on track. <laughs> and I was like, if if it wasn't, if it wasn't for that dynamic, then. Well, dude, that's what I was going to say. Like you're, uh, and especially like listening to it early on without being associated at all, aside from just, you know, being from here, listening to the early episodes and then coming in and seeing the way you conduct the interviews to, to where we were when I came on to where we are now did the jump you made and carrying the interview and bringing us back from my just off the wall BS. It's been incredible. Like the way you've transitioned as the host of the show in this short amount of time, it's been unbelievable to watch. I appreciate it. I, I couldn't have done it without you, man. And, I always say ten and a half times because I didn't expect it to make it past a couple of seasons. And then when you came in, right in the middle of season two, I was just like, "Here we go!" <laughs> it's like <laughs> exceeding expectations, which apparently I'm freaking good at. But it was just—I knew the chemistry would be there. So mm-hmm. I always give Rick and Bubba shit, but I don't understand why they didn't quit. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Rick and Bubba, but I understand why they didn't quit because they they're, they click. They're that dynamic. I still don't listen to them. Yeah, I man, I just don't listen to the radio. Period. No. <laughs> but just bouncing ideas off of you helped me be able to plan this thing out better because you had told me if it was a bad idea. Uh, there was a few people I wanted on. And you're like, no, it it, it, it don't fit. Work. It don't fit. So we kept on and kept on and kept on and it's like I said, man, it's there was a time where I decided I'd rather go out as somewhat successful than a failure. And you knew, you knew when I got back from Disney World in January, and I told you, I was like, I'm just kind of burnt out, I'm... I'm over it. And you're like, just give it one more and see where you go. And one more. And I realized how it was time to end it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I wanted to see when you, when you came back and you were, you were talking about, like you said, like the burnout feeling and the nonstopness of it. That's why I wanted, I wanted to see where this season went, how the interviews went. Like I was talking about earlier. Like I know from, Two and a half through four, I saw that that growth and that change in you as far as the host. So I wanted to see if there was ever, realistically, I wanted to see if there was going to be a dip in five. We in five now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Numbers. I wanted to see if there was going to be a dip. But you you held steady. The, the the quality of interviews, the questions, the way you kept everything on track. Keeping you on track. Yeah. <laughs> it never it never faltered. So but it also at the same time I could tell 
you were kind of you were getting through, if that makes sense. Yeah. Not not lowering the quality of anything. Obviously, this has been our as far as quality wise, has been our best season. Quantity wise too. Yeah. I'm not bragging. I am bragging. Our numbers are freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, like that's why I wanted to see give it one more. Because I wanted to see if that bug was going to bite you again, but it never, it never did. Like you were, you were consistent in your, in your mindset of, of what we were doing. I'm glad you were there to push me because I'm proud of what we've done on this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I've told, I told one of our guests that came in and they said, you look tired and just worn out. And I told them. You know, when I hit record, I switch flips. It's game time for me, you know, mm-hmm. and it always has been. But the only thing is I've gotten better at game time. Yeah. I'm better. At, I got better at hiding that I was over it. And just once, once the door was closed, we're in here. This room is special to me. So with all that being said, before we truly, truly wrap this up, sign off. What is a, what is your time meeting guests, et cetera, on passage I meant to you? Shit. There's no like quick synopsis to that. <laughs> um, what does it meant to me? I mean, the easy answer is a ton. It's meant more than I could ever express um, appropriately. It meant, so just starting out from the beginning, right? I had just moved back. Like I was talking about earlier, you know, that, that 14 to 20 time frame for me was the most growing up. Like, actual growing up that I had done in my life. Even from two states away, I could see it. Yeah. So, it was me leaving a place where I had become an actual adult. (laughs) Back to the place where all my hell-raising, rowdy ways were. And it was kind of that question mark of, do I fall back into that somehow? Or can I maintain where I am now and continue growing? And I don't know that had it not been for you bringing me in here and us getting to share. (sighs) And us getting to share as many moments, memories, recollections, non-recollections, as, <laughs> as we did that, that I would be where I'm at right now. Because, I mean, like I said, there was so many question marks coming back of what do I do? Where do I fall in? How does life continue growing upwards for me? But you kind of, you kind of laid those 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 questions to rest for me because you brought me in. 
familiar face, first of all, one of my longest friends, and now best friend. You brought me in and gave me that kind of space like we have here to to be me and to express my thoughts and what I was going through, whatever it was at that time. This was kind of, you know, this was our escape room, basically. And then... We can easily walk out and go pee right next door. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, adding the interviews into it. So now, not only am I back home, but I'm back home to a more evolved home. Because this place blew up in my absence. So many things changed while I was gone. So now I'm coming in and I'm getting a chance to to sit down and talk with these people that I've seen through social media more so than anything else that have grown where we're from into what it is now. And as opposed to just seeing seeing it through the the um, often strewed and convalescent glasses of social media, I'm actually getting to talk to these people and getting to know them on a personal level. So it made the the connection and like putting my roots back down even easier because now I'm not just seeing the the social media presence or all the glitz and glamour of what's going on. I'm actually getting to know the person behind that and seeing that this wasn't just, you know, a, hey, look at me moment. How can I thrive? Like, these people are genuinely invested in where we're from. So that made, like I said earlier, carrying that pride of being from here even better for even better for me, knowing that I chose that path of, of, of representing kind of where, we, where, we, where we're from it made it even better because now I know I'm surrounded by like-minded people and I'm surrounded by people that, that genuinely want to see the best for our community. So the transition for me of coming back to a completely different lifestyle of what I left here and being able to do it in this room under these headphones into this microphone and broadcasted to anybody that wants to listen to it, it made a world of difference. <clears throat> You've done well. Um, you know, seeing you just come in and what I learned to do, you picked up on so quickly, was just to kind of mesh with these people. You know, I'd always have a pregame warm-up chit-chat with guests and when you chimed in, it was pretty easy. We just come in here. We may get a drink down before we started rolling. But. Mm-hmm. Well, and so that's that's a good point. So, like, I learned. So, when I came in, two and a half. Those pre-game, pre-recorded pre-game drinks like you were talking about. Those were moments for me, too. Because those were moments that, you know, this was unfamiliar territory. So that was a time for me that I could kind of loosen up, not be as tight, not be as standoffish, and oftentimes, and getting to know the person a little bit before we started recording. Those were big moments for me. 
and then going into three and four, and now this season, I realize those moments are so beneficial because I actually got to come through it. Yeah. You know, when we have guests that are coming in and this is their first time or their second or third, even their third time, like those, those pre recorded moments loosen everything up and just make the, the transition into this room on the microphones that much smoother. Whereas beforehand, I, I'm just in my own mind trying to calm myself down for this. Well, now I can look at those moments when we're in them and see who is this person. What are, you know, I can kind of get to gauge you a little bit. And then once we get into the room, now I'm prepared for, you know, where, wherever the conversation goes, I've gotten to know you a little bit. So I know a little bit about you. I can build on that and I can ask questions and kind of steer us in certain ways. Yeah, you 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 filled in a lot quicker than I did. But like I said, I couldn't have I couldn't have excelled Damn, Baja Blast without so you. Yeah, the Baja Blast yeah, banks. I mean, that's it. That's yeah. the one right there. We'll make a trip to Tennessee and then buy a few <laughs> cases. But you know, it was it was so easy for me, man, and I knew I had to evolve to stay relevant. And I always tell the people that listen to the show, I couldn't have kept growing without them, but at the same time, I couldn't have kept growing without you here. I would have hung it up quickly. That's the one thing I didn't want to see. Like, I mean, I keep going back to it. I'll remember it for probably the rest of my life. I was sitting uh, outside of the CenturyLink Center the day you text me and told me what you wanted to do because I was trying to catch a glimpse of Luke Combs or Morgan Wallen <laughs> because it was the night or it was the day of the night that they were performing there. And I was sitting in the parking lot. I had gotten off work early. Shout out to my supervision for coming clutch right there, <laughs> giving them a lot of shit, <laughs> but I'm going to also give them their flowers when they came through. And I'm just sitting there in the parking lot and you had texted me and said, Hey, I got this idea. We talked about it for a few minutes and when, when you told me like the basis of it, the root of why you wanted to do it, I was head over. I was like, God, yes. I mean, at that moment, I didn't know what the rest of my life looked like. I didn't know if I was going to re-enlist, if I was going to be in Shreveport for another four or six years. So I was jonesing for that home connection. Yeah. You know, I could, I could, I could every year in the military. How you stack them is up to you. I knew I could come home <laughs> for major off. holidays or I could save it up. And like you said, like you said, I could take a month off. It didn't matter. But I knew those moments were just that. They were moments. It wasn't sustainable. But I knew if you had that idea, like I said earlier, knowing you're a future planner, you wasn't just thinking about seven episodes. You had a plan for this thing going. So when you told me that, that's why that's why I was so adamant. It was selfish. 100%, <laughs> it was 100% me being selfish. I didn't care if you came in here and talked to the damn wall. I could hear you talking about our hometown. And that meant something to me. Yeah. So I would have listened to it. 
then you started factoring in, you know, I want to get guests in. I want to get local business owners. I want to get people of the community to come in and give them a voice. Then it was like, well, shit. I'm even more sold. <laughs> in a way, uh, kind of foreshadowed what you were come home to. Mm-hmm. It did. That's... And it kind of helped in my in my decision making, like when when we were getting down to it, you know, the end of twenty nineteen, going into twenty twenty. Of, what am I going to do? I'm coming up on the end of my contract. Am I going to try to extend? Am I going to reenlist? Like, you know, what are we going to do here? We've got a kid. We've got another one on the way. Do we want to raise them here? Do we want to raise them in this military environment? Like, I'm at a point now where I could try to cross-train into a different job. Who knows where that's going to take us? We could be in Kansas. We could be in South Carolina, Florida, Georgia. You know, I mean, we could go anywhere. But coming home on leave, coming in, doing the podcast with you, that was also in the back of my mind of, well, shit, you know, I mean, we could just go back home. We could cut this off. I'll find something to do around there. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> you're succeeding. So just you building this helped me in making that decision process. Even before you reached out to me and said, Hey man, would you want to come in and do this with me? I know, man. It's hard. That's what she said. (laughs) Like, knowing that this isn't the end, ultimately, but also this being the end, this shit hits different. (laughs) Yeah. uh... This is all acting skills, by the way. Like, this is just like shout out to me for being able to just roll the tears because I'm not actually sad. <laughs> uh, uh, before we walked in here, I stood, I looked at Brittany, and when I knew we was about to record, I started waving my eyes because I knew I was about to cry because I knew this was the last time we'd come in this room and record. But. <sighs> Damn it, man! Like these past this past year and a half, you at my house once a week, every week for this long. Hey, sometimes twice a week. Twice, we had two podcasts. Yeah, sometimes twice a week. <laughs> we did have two podcasts. <laughs> uh, we were grinding. You know, before we uh, before we properly send you off. First off, I want to thank Cortland for uh. Allowing you to come over for once sure. a week. And for I, sure. Oh shit. This is where it, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep looking uh hell I can't even look at my damn koozie. I've been riding You've been riding Brittany's bride, bride koozie from our wedding ever since you walked in. And uh <laughs> we started recording. You've been rocking the bride koozie. There's uh, literally nowhere in this room I can look and not feel sentimental. You haven't grown attached to the Whiskey Myers poster yet. <laughs> That's a good point. But it's a fire-ass poster. I'm going to get sentimental about that. <laughs> uh, 
you know, before before we send you off, man, uh, first off, like I said, thank you to Cortland for allowing Shane to come over here and hang out. Uh, shit, I'm crying. I'm crying. There's no way around it. I'm crying. Uh, man, first off, thank you for the instant. Yes. Hell yeah. And uh, all the hours spent here listening to me bitch and moan and questioning whether it's time to end it or not. And for, thank you for being my best friend, dude. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> like I said, there's nowhere in this fucking room to look to just gather yourself. I'll look at the fishing poles. I think about us going fishing. Yeah. I look about the we tied by the United way. poster. I think about our love for Man United. Even the fucking Bear Bryant poster of all damn things. <laughs> like it's got sentimental value to me because it's been looking over my damn shoulder for the last two and a half years. <sighs> the shine damn jar. The JBT jar that we manufacture. <laughs> Shout out to our friends JB and T. Oh man. Uh, Dude, I I cannot thank you enough. Uh, the growler, dude, all of it. The damn ring light that's holding the freaking phone that's recording the damn video right now. I still remember the day I bought that damn thing because my fucking car got broken into at Best Buy on 280. You said, yo, I lost everything, but I got us a ring light, though. Shout out to the worst thieves of all time. Left my wallet, everything of... There was a damn pistol in the car. They left it. They stole a charging block. Unbelievable. Dude, the freaking memories in this room. Oh, my God. I I never knew. (laughs) I never knew this tiny room would have some of the best memories that I've had over the past two and a half years. And two year and a half of it, I'm I'm blessed to have had my best friend in here. Oh. Oh, whether it was our solo episodes or an interview, <laughs> it never mattered. I was just, I was happy to be hanging out with my best friend and, uh, Shane. Hey, you know what I'm, I'm just noticing. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, cause I, the tears I can't deal with. I can't tears. Me and tears don't mix. Realizing right now you're a real big cork candle guy on your fish poles. Aren't yeah. fishing poles. Fish poles. Fish poles. <laughs> but yeah, realizing you're a real big cork candle guy. Yeah. Yeah, I see that now. Always behind you. That's four of the seven on that rack have cork candles. Balance. Yep. I, I like it. <laughs> like I'm, I don't do tears. I, ah, damn it. If so, I don't care who it is. If somebody starts crying, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> so I try to deflect. Hey, like I said, back to training my brain. <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, like I said, thank you and Cortland for your time. Folks, uh, we put it in in here. Whether you're watching or listening, you got to crack it open this jar. Dude, crack it. One more time. You know why, Drake? Because if that thing is not empty. Pass that thing around. Love your neighbor. And talk to someone different than you. This is not the end. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, shit. <laughs>
Uh, we'll make it through this, I promise. Ladies and gentlemen, for the last time on Pass the Jar, my best friend and your co-host, Shane Murray. Shane, any closing thoughts? Yeah, dude, a few. A few. Um, I'm going to close my eyes so I don't have to look at you. Because <laughs> I know what I... When I say this, I'm going to start crying if I'm looking at you. So, and I've said it before, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for allowing me into your home, for bringing me into this, into this thing you created, this brainchild of yours. You allowed me to be a part of it. You made one of the most difficult transitions of my life that much smoother. You helped keep me grounded. You brought me back home. You introduced me to people of our community that share the same passion for our community that we do. You've introduced me into a, a wide variety of very good whiskey and bourbon. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, we've grown our passion for moonshine. <laughs> we've gotten a lot closer as individuals, as friends, uh, and and now brothers, literally brothers. Um, thank you to everybody that has ever listened to even five minutes of this. <laughs> we may not come off as the most genuous people when we say thank you. It might seem like dead air to people like oh they're just something you have to do but it truly means more than I could ever express that five ten whatever people want to hear us talk about where we're from and want to listen to us interview people and want to listen to us interview people that share that passion and want to grow this community So, my closing thoughts are just thank you. Shane, I love you, bud. <sighs> Folks, uh, this has been my co-host, my best friend, my brother, Shane Murray, signing off for the last time. Stay tuned for the next segment for the final goodbye. All right, y'all. Um I'm going to make this short because I'm not good at goodbyes. I'm not really suck at them. As you can tell, I got emotional with Shane. Uh, I did record a, my final words with him in the room, and I was super emotional. I was crying. I was snotting. And <clears throat> I just decided to take a different route so you guys really understand how I can evoke the emotions to you without 
being a babbling brook. But I'm going to make this short. Because I know this episode's ran kind of long. And everybody's probably like, alright, get to the point, dude. So, we're going to get to the point. First off, I want to thank my wife. <laughs> I might get emotional again. Um, she has given up one to two nights a week of hanging out with me so I can do this. Never once throughout these two and a half years did she say, I don't think you should do a podcast or not. Uh, what about me? She never did. And she was my biggest support system through all this. And I couldn't have done any of this without her. I would have never started if it wasn't for her because I'm a huge procrastinator and I've told the story. She's the one that said, buy the equipment or don't do it. So I had to buy the equipment or this wouldn't have happened. So thank you, Brittany. I love you. You're my world. And I'm going to make it up to you. I promise. Uh, she's been the real hero of all this for me. Uh, secondly, I want to thank Shane for uh, giving his time. I've already you know given him his flowers while he was here but man what a ride it's been and just because we're not recording together doesn't mean we're not up to something together at some point along the way uh there's always going to be shenanigans with us too and i'll hit on that in just a few minutes but i also want to thank each and every person that came into this room that gave their time to pass the jar, that gave us their stories that hopefully motivated you or let you get to know these people a little bit better, better than you probably thought you did. And I am stoked to have gotten to know some of these people. I've made friends, lifelong friends, people that I will happily give my money to, people that will, I will gladly give my votes to. People I can confide in. It's crazy what one to four to five hours in this room has done for so many people, myself included. Uh, these were therapy sessions for us, man. Like, you know, Shane and I, we work full-time jobs. We're full-time husbands and kids, et cetera. You name it, you know. This is our escape from reality and you people that came in here, you contributed to that. So thank you. If you have beckoned the doors of my home to do this podcast with us, thank you. I can't thank you enough. Your time, I will be forever indebted to you. Uh, if any of you ever need us for anything, I promise we'll be there. To the listeners, man. Just like the people that came in this room, uh, a bunch of y'all have became friends. Y'all have jumped in our inboxes or, you know, we've already known each other. You've ran, ran into us in the streets or the breweries and just your kind words. Uh, man, between my wife, Shane, the people that come in here and the people that listen, all of y'all's words have had so much weight and that weight has constantly pushed me forward. Never once has anybody put us down except that person that left the one star review. We forgive you. Ship has sailed. But <laughs> all of y'all just kept pushing us forward with positivity and that helped us put out more positivity. And man, y'all are the real MVPs. Shane and I just sat in here and had conversations with these people. And 
I'm forever indebted to everybody that has had a hand in this podcast where you listen to one or all 75 episodes. I thank you. Whether you came in for one, two, three, in Eric and Mason's case, four or five episodes, thank you. To Shane for all your countless hours. Stop the waterworks. <laughs> thank you, brother. Thank you. And I can't wait to see what we do next. And to Brittany. Like I said, I promise I'm going to make it up to you. I've taken a lot of time away from you over the past two and a half years, and you have never once wavered. You've never gotten upset. You've never gotten mad. And I thank you for that. You know where my mental health, all of y'all know where my mental health was. We're finishing this how we started. It's just us talking about mental health. Mine was in the slums. I was still dealing with the grieving process of losing my mom. It had only been about a year and a half up to that point. That's still not really, you know, a long enough time to acclimate for somebody that's been in your life for close to 30 years. A huge part of your life. But throughout these past two and a half years, I've seen my mental health improve more than it ever has. And that's because I came out of my shell. And like I said, each and every one of you, whether you listened, came in, you're my wife or you're my best friend. Each of y'all have helped that tremendously. And this is kind of my love letter to all of y'all. You know, uh, y'all sh- shown that a kid from Empire with an idea that came out of just being bored and wanted to connect with people throughout the, the pandemic. You showed me I could do it. With the help of people you love and people you don't even know that you grow to love. Those people will constantly push you. And if you don't have that in your life, try to find one. And if you don't, Shane and I are here. We'll help you. We're always here. Just because this podcast isn't going away or is going or is going away. Doesn't mean Shane and I are. Because here's a little nugget for y'all. We are very sad that we are in this podcast. However, you know, some people may say, oh, that's Drake. It's not that deep. Why are you boohooing over a podcast that you decided to end? It's because this is my baby, man. I love this show. But at the same time, I know creatively I'm on an incline. And we decided to end it while we were on an incline instead of the decline. Because now while we're on the incline, it's going to help our wheel keep turning and we're going to keep constantly thinking of something new to do with you guys. You know, past the jars, it's a mantra that we all hope you carry. Talk to someone different than you. Love your neighbor. Have a conversation. Sit down and just talk to somebody. You never know what you're going to find out. But we wanted to end this while we, while our wheels were turning into a positive motion. That way, whenever we decide to uh, stick our heads back up out of hibernation, whatever it may be, it'll be good. And it, none of this would have happened without anybody that I've mentioned. So yeah, I boohooed over a podcast because I love it. Big time. So closing out, folks, find somebody to love. 
Find somebody that will push you forward with the weight of their words and the weight of their actions. Forward into a positive light, a positive mindset. Hey, if you're single, find somebody that makes you a better you. That way you can be a better y'all. Philosophy. But folks, I love you all. I thank you for every second that you have contributed to this podcast. This is my curtain call. (laughs) The jar is empty, but I want you to keep loving your neighbor, talking to someone different than you. Love yourself. Support everybody in this community. Support people in your local communities. I thank you all. Like I said, I love you all. I'm Drake Pittman, and this has been... Pass the jar. Goodbye.